Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. So what I want to go through is just what my process was in becoming single, in healing some relational wounds that I had, changing my orientation around my criteria for a partner, meeting a partner, and then the trial and error of dating, learning how to date really for the first time, and then ultimately meeting my partner. Hi, I'm Sarah Avon Stover, host of Truth, Love, and Beauty. I'm an author, internal family systems practitioner, and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality, who's built a long career since the early 2000s to be exact, in supporting women to cultivate greater psycho-spiritual wholeness and, in turn, to come home to themselves. My dedication to women and to the upliftment of the feminine at large has been a lifelong one. 
From growing up as the second oldest of four sisters in a Connecticut suburb of New York City, to studying at an Ivy League all-women's college, all the way up to today. And the very things I support women with mirror the struggles that I've had. Things like doubting, pushing, perfecting, hating, and yes, at times, even hurting myself. Yet I've found, and I have a sense that because you're here, you have too, that these very wounds and pain points can become openings for profound healing, growth, and spiritual insight. I created this podcast in service of honoring just this, this sacred healing journey that we women are on. It was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations with leading thinkers and luminaries about all facets of the feminine spiritual journey. Plus, this podcast highlights three of the core values we must embrace on the feminine path, truth, love, and beauty. Values which we all need more of during this tumultuous time in history. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Truth, Love, and Beauty. And as I'm recording this, it's a very snowy, very cold day here in Boulder. And it's been a full start to the year. As I've mentioned in other episodes, I've been writing my new book, my third book, which will come out in spring of 2024. The writing process has been flowing. I am very grateful for that. This book just obviously was ready to come out, although I still have I still have a few months before it is officially due with my publisher. And I've also been creating and now leading my new program, Becoming Whole. So this has been just a really creative, prolific time for me. And this course, Becoming Whole, it feels like the most comprehensive one that I've ever created. And it feels good to be compiling so much information about internal family systems or IFS into one place and specifically how we can apply it as women to our healing journeys so that we can experience more of the wholeness that is inherently who we are and that can be hard for us to feel at times for various reasons, things that we encounter, pains that we encounter at different times in our lives. So at the time that I'm recording this, we're about halfway through the program, and it's been a really sweet experience so far. So today, rather than sharing a recording from a retreat Dharma talk, I wanted to have a conversation with you about something that has been a big part of my life over the past several years, and that is the theme of dating and online dating in particular. So especially online dating for women in their late 30s and beyond, although this can definitely be applied to those of you who are younger than that, it's particularly geared towards women 40 and older and late 30s as well. 
So me wanting to record this conversation was inspired by more private conversations that I've been having in one-on-one IFS sessions with women over the past couple years, women who are going through the dating process later in life. And I wanted to bring some of this information to the wider community because I figure there's more women out there who could maybe find benefit in hearing this. I know that I certainly could have several years ago. So what I want to go through is just what my process was in becoming single, in healing some relational wounds that I had, changing my orientation around my criteria for a partner, meeting a partner, and then the trial and error of dating, learning how to date really for the first time, and then ultimately meeting my partner. So I want to go back and just share that prior to my late 30s, I had always met my partners organically. And that was just how life worked in those days. (laughs) Where I met them in my adult life, I met partners at various yoga events or friends introduced us and I would just meet someone, we would have a connection, we'd start just spending more time together and then we'd be in a relationship. So I never really dated and this this kind of pattern continued through three significant relationships, actually two, two really, actually no three, two or two to three, let's say two to three significant relationships in my adult life, but in my 20s and 30s. And the the final one of those relationships, I was engaged to a man and that engagement ended, that relationship ended when I was 39. And by that time in my life at 39, I really wanted a life partner. I I really wanted a long-term relationship. I really wanted to just be settled with someone. And when that relationship ended, I found that the world was different than it was when I had first gotten into that relationship several years earlier in my early 30s. And I was also in a different season of life. It's different dating when you're 39 than it is when you're 32 or 33. And at that time when I was 39 and my engagement ended, Online dating was now the norm. It was just how pe- how people met other people. And I had a lot to learn because, again, I had never really dated before. I didn't know how to date. And so there, were, there was a learning curve. And in addition to just the logistical learning curve of how to actually date and how to do that in the online world... I also knew that there was some deep inner work that I needed to do in order to have the kind of relationship that I wanted with the kind of man that I wanted to be in relationship with, because what I had been doing prior to that was not working. So I knew that I needed to adjust my standards as well as my criteria in order to find a man who would be really, really compatible with me for the long term. So I did a lot of studying and a lot of research. I asked friends who were, on, who were doing the online dating and who had met their partners through that. I asked them for advice. I asked them about their experiences. I read a lot of different books about dating. I took uh, a couple of online courses. And then I had 
the stretch of a lot of trial and error, which I'm going to share with you more about, just things that I learned through all of these sources, but especially through trial and error. So all of this took place during a stretch of time when I was single, and that was about four or five years. And it was the longest stretch of time that I had ever been single since I first started dating back in middle school, really. So I want to say overall that this was a really rich time in my life. And it's a time in my life that I write a lot about in my new book. So you'll hear more about that when my book comes out next spring. It's a time in my life that I'll always really cherish. And actually, I feel some... I feel some um, some sadness and the sadness related to poignancy coming up as I reflect on it right now, because it really deepened my relationship with myself and with God in a, in a really, really profound way. It was a time when I healed parts of me that were drawing in the wrong kinds of relationships with the wrong kinds of men. So I did a lot of really deep inner work. And that inner work, as well as the outer work of actually, which I'm going to talk to you more about, related to how I showed up in dating, allowed me to, at the end of that period, to meet a different kind of man and to experience a different kind of relationship. So in short, I want to share with you just some of the things I learned along the way in hopes that perhaps these could be useful or supportive for you and Even if you're not dating right now, maybe you can apply these to your intimate relationships in some way or to other relationships. Maybe you know someone else who needs to hear this, or maybe you might find yourself single at some point in life and you'll remember this this conversation and you'll have something to, to refer back to. So first, I really want to emphasize that we meet the right person when the time is right. And this this was really my overarching my overarching vision, my overarching knowing, my overarching reminder to myself, my deepest self to the parts of my personality that were having a hard time trusting the timing, that were having a hard time being single for 4 to 5 years, that were having a hard time with so much trial and error with dating. But it really, really is true that we meet the right person when the time is right. We can't miss it. We cannot miss it. So just know that. And this can be hard if we're feeling lonely, if we are really wanting connection, intimacy, for wanting sex, for wanting to meet our person. I get it. I know deeply. I've been there. I felt all of that. And truly, 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 we meet the right person when the time is right. It will happen. So as always, patience and perspective are key. So holding that larger perspective and having patience just to keep showing up until that timing is right. So the next step from there is to get clear and In terms of getting clear, I always think about Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits is to begin with the end in mind. So if you begin with the end in mind in terms of dating, you really want to begin with your larger vision, 
well, what is the kind of life that you want to have? What kind of relationship, intimate relationship, do you want to have in that life? Like, how do you want to feel when you're with this person? What do you want to do together? What is, what do you want the purpose of your relationship to be? And get clear on that and then start to create your list. And maybe you've heard about this, but I'm really, really big into the list. I'm big into the list when I'm wanting to call something in, if I'm looking for a new home or if I'm looking for a new partner, just really getting clear on and specific about the things that I want. So first I had a list in a notebook, just, I have just regular spiral bound notebooks that I get on Amazon for my journals. And I started in there and then I put it into notes on my iPhone so I could easily just refer back to it. I could easily update it and just add every little thing, every little thing, you know, the big stuff about values, um, about even looks around interests, around how you want to feel when you're with this person. And even just little, like little, maybe strange things that you have around partners. Like I have a thing around shoes and socks. Like I can't date a guy if I don't like his shoes. I'm really into shoes and, and socks. And, and so I always look at a guy's shoes and socks. And if it's not like, if it's not lining up, then it's just, that's just one of the things that's out for me. So just even adding things like that on your list. And then bigger things like really getting clear. Do you, do you want kids? Or if you have kids, do you want to be with someone else who has kids? Do you want monogamy? Do you want something long-term? Do you want long distance? Or do you want someone who lives nearby? So just really getting clear on just those, those bigger things that are important to you in relationship, especially later in life. And after you get clear, you make your list, you know your vision, you want to do a thorough inventory of your past relationships and particularly the one that you just came out of. So you want to look at where you ignored red and yellow flags, where you just tolerated behavior that maybe you shouldn't have tolerated, you violated some of your own boundaries. You settled for things that you shouldn't have settled for. So start to notice those things and and also really take an inventory. Like, what did you learn from those relationships? What What are ways that you showed up that you're proud of? And what are ways that you showed up that you're not proud of? So really taking an honest inventory of your lessons and of your do's and don'ts for going forward in relationship so that we are learning from past experiences. And we are through that learning of those, that learning from past experiences, then we're able to have a fuller, richer, more mature relationship going forward. So maybe in a past relationship, like someone didn't want kids and you did, or someone didn't want to get married and you did, or someone liked to stay up late or go out all the time and you like to go to sleep early and stay in more. Maybe there were different clashes in lifestyle and values. So really get clear about those things and also get honest with yourself about your values and your desired lifestyle, because we want to meet someone where we match up in our values and our lifestyles. 
And of course, there's always instances where that maybe the lifestyle thing doesn't necessarily match up. Like maybe someone's a night owl and someone likes to go to bed early and that can still work, but it can be supportive when there is more congruency there, when there is more fluidity in how you live your day-to-days, your day-to-day lives. And also to be honest with yourself because, and and note that when you're showing up in the dating process, that you're showing up as yourself. So if you initially show up in the dating process as someone who likes to go out all the time and have fun, but you know that that's just kind of a phase that you're going through and long-term you, you really like to be more of a homebody, it's good to know that you're representing yourself honestly in the dating process so that how you're showing up is is an honest indication of kind of how you're going to be in a long-term relationship. So getting honest about your values, your desired lifestyle, and then starting to go to these different online dating apps. And there's a variety of them out there. And I recommend being on a variety of them. Choose the ones that feel right for you. There's always new ones coming up. And one thing that I heard across the board was make sure that you're on Tinder Even though Tinder can have a bad reputation as being a hookup site, I know a lot of people who met their partners on Tinder. I actually met my partner on Tinder, ironically, because I I did not like Tinder, but I stayed on there because people told me that that's, that's the main one where everyone is, and that's where I knew so many people had met their partners. So making yourself, putting your profile up on a variety of places that feel good to you. And then honoring your rhythms of being on them and being off them in terms of the dating apps. So there were so many times when I wanted to quit online dating apps for good, when I just got overwhelmed, I got frustrated. It's very time consuming. Those of you who who have done online dating, you know it's very time consuming and it's a it's a roller coaster for sure. And so I went off for periods of time and I just deleted the apps from my phone. I turned off my profile and I would just regroup and take space for myself. And if it felt right, then I would go back on and I would go through those cycles. And if you are in a similar place with that, I just want to validate that that's okay. Remember, you can honor yourself and your own knowing about when you need to turn in and when when you feel steady enough to to go out and put yourself out there. So just honoring those cycles and remembering that we're we're playing a long game here, right? We're we're showing up and staying the course until we we meet the person that we're wanting to meet. So once you're on there and you know your criteria and you're honoring your rhythms of going on and going off, you want to make sure that you don't, you don't swipe on anyone. You don't just move forward with anyone who doesn't fit your criteria. And you can see a lot from a person's profile. You can see their age. You can see where they live general area where they live. You can see oftentimes that they're looking for a long-term relationship or or what. And so you really want to make sure that the person that you're looking at and their profile matches your criteria and that you're not, you're not saying yes to someone who isn't lining up with those things. And that can be challenging, you know, especially if you're someone 
who likes who who in the past maybe you've been drawn to more of the bad bad boy that has definitely been been my tendency and I knew that in finding my 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 new partner that that was not going to work for me I needed someone who had more stability more safety and so while those bad boys could seem sexy and very fun and interesting on their profiles on the dating apps I knew that I couldn't swipe on them because I knew how that would end up for me. And that wasn't where I wanted to go. And that didn't match my criteria. So just staying, staying true to that criteria. And then once you start messaging with someone, you can start to see things right away. So another thing for me, in addition to someone's footwear, (laughs) that's I'm laughing at myself, but you know, we need to honor things that we're attracted to is someone's grammar and how, how they communicate. Someone who's a writer, I appreciate good grammar and vocabulary and just rich communication through writing and and speech is very important to me in my intimate relationships. And so if I didn't, if I didn't enjoy the way that I was messaging with someone, I would, I would end it. I would just stop the messaging. And I would oftentimes try not to ghost someone and, you know, but, but if it was just like one message with someone, maybe I'd just delete it. But if it was more than that, then maybe I would say something like, this doesn't feel like the right connection for me. I wish you all the best. And then delete that connection. So just starting with the messaging and then just being willing to, again, that's cut it off if something in that is not feeling right. So we don't want to invest too much time. And then if everything is going okay with the messaging, then thanks to the pandemic, now it is very common to do a virtual meeting with someone. It wasn't that way. I was dating before the pandemic and that wasn't that wasn't the thing then. So I appreciate that there's a, another layer in where that requires little investment. So a FaceTime meeting where it's easier to step away. It's not as big of a commitment. You don't need to go to a coffee shop or somewhere to, to meet someone and sit through 30 minutes with them, even though right when you walk in the door, you know, it's a no, you can just meet them on FaceTime, chat for five minutes and maybe say, you know, this isn't feeling like the right connection for you. For me, I wish you all the best. So you go through that step. But if the FaceTime feels okay, then moving to meeting up for that with that person for coffee, something very casual. And again, low commitment. And something that I learned is that we can see everything that we need or the big things that we need to know about a person within the first moments of meeting them. And if you look back at your at your encounters, your initial encounters with your past partners, you can see what I'm talking about. That has definitely been true for me. So red flags are there right away. And those red flags that are there in that first encounter Those are the same red flags that will be there in your relationship. And we don't want any red flags in a relationship. And ideally, we don't even want yellow flags. So for instance, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was messaging with a man who wanted to meet up with me. And I said, you know, I really don't feel comfortable meeting up in person because of the pandemic can we meet on FaceTime? And he got very offended by that. And so I knew right away, okay, this person does not respect my needs. This person does not respect my boundaries. Goodbye. 
So we can see things like that initially. And when we see that, we don't want to continue on because we know that that's not going to turn out well in the long run. So, but again, if there are green lights, we're not getting any red flags, we're not getting any yellow flags, someone is meeting our criteria, then we can move on to a coffee date. And when we meet with that person, we can just notice, how do I feel in my body when I'm with this person? And a question that I often ask myself was, do I feel a sense of safety in my body? Do I feel a sense of safety in my nervous system? Because again, being drawn to kind of the bad boy archetype, there would be like a rush of adrenaline. And, and ultimately, it's, it's not a good sign when there is massive chemistry and lust and passion. We want something that's more, um, someone once told me you want something like a, a love that feels like a, a nourishing bowl of, of oatmeal, you know, something that feels, that feels safe and feels steady where there's still love and care there, but there's not all those fireworks because those fireworks are usually indications of places where wound is meaning wound. So if we meet up with them and there's a sense of safety in our nervous systems, then we can continue on with communications, usually via texting in these days. And we want to notice, are they communicative? Are they responsive? Are they thoughtful? Are they kind? So we want to we want to feel that that they are present for us, that they're not playing games with us, they're not avoiding us. And we want to feel like they're into us. And I remember a friend said to me, you want to have ultimately you want your your person to be more into you than you are into them or at least equally into each other. So we want to feel this this mutuality in interest in communication. And then as we start to deepen and have more dates together, um, maybe go out to dinner, start going over to each other's homes. Something that I also heard continuously across the board was to wait to have sex. Because as women, once we have sex, it is very hard for us. We get, we get very attached. This is because of our ways that our hormones work. We get very attached. And then it's hard for us to think clearly. And it's much harder for us to say no to red flags or yellow flags or even to discern those. So we want to make sure that we give ourselves enough time to get to know a person before becoming sexually intimate with them so that we can think clearly and so that we can make the right choices and decisions for ourselves and to step away if we're starting to notice red flags or yellow flags. So also, and I heard from, I heard from one dating expert that we want to wait until we've met with a person at least 12 times. Now, I don't think I was ever able to wait 12 times, but I got close to that number. So just get as close to it as you can. If you can't quite make 12, and that also allows you to just establish a deeper bond with this person. Also, what can come up a lot in dating, because it can be very anxiety-provoking, there's a lot of uncertainty. And for anyone who has some anxious attachment, it can, it can bring up that anxious attachment stuff of, when are they going to text me back? Uh, why aren't they texting me back? And just kind of on on pins and needles, not not really knowing. And so 
in internal family systems language, we want to be with these these younger parts of ourselves. These are the younger parts of ourselves are the ones who are feeling anxious and the ones who are feeling needy. And we want to help them to feel our presence, that we are the loving adult and that we are the primary caregivers for our parts. Our, our partners are not, or our potential partners are not, but that, that we can be here and we can reassure these little ones inside of us that we are here with them no matter what. We are never going to leave them. Even if partners come and go, even if this person doesn't want to be with us, that, that we want to be with them, that we are here with them. It is con- constantly giving that internal reassurance because it's hard. Those early, those early days, weeks, and even months of dating before a relationship really locks into more stability can be a very challenging time. So again, when there's a red flag, you want to end it right away. You don't want to waste any more time. And I also want to go back to say that when you're messaging with someone, this is a friend also shared this advice with me. You don't want to message a lot with a person until you actually meet with them. Because I, I went against that advice once and I was really enjoying my written connection with a person before we met. And then we met up and I was like, oh no, like this is not, this is not a right connection. And I had kind of a forehead slap, slap moment of like, wow, I just wasted so much time texting with this person. And I just, my mind just got... My mind started to take hold, my imagination. I just imagined all this stuff that just wasn't even true about this person. So just really honoring your time. Don't move forward if there's red flags. Don't message a lot until you actually meet the person. And also know that setbacks and frustrations are part of the process. So remember, this is a really vulnerable, this is a really vulnerable process. It's a roller coaster. And we, we will get disappointed and we will have a lot of those ups and downs, but what can help is just to remember that we are in a process of learning and at each interaction that we have, if we are learning from them and if we are consciously building skills and we can see that we are cultivating better communication, we're getting better at setting boundaries of walking away in the past when maybe we didn't walk away, of using more discernment, of knowing our worth and knowing that that we deserve more than maybe we've been settling for in the past. So each interaction and even each disappointment just builds on the next so that when that time comes, which it will come if you stick with the process, because remember your person is out there, you will meet them when the time is right. So when that time comes to meet that right person, you will have more of these skills intact. You will be like a more refined, mature, wise person of yourself. And I'm remembering that I think it's Marianne Williamson who said that we learn more about relationships when we're out of them than we're in them. So this time of dating and this time of being on your own is a really precious time. And it can also be a really painful time. It's all of it. That, that's how it was for me. And something that other people also reminded me is that it can be like a numbers game. And it's kind of like if you've ever applied for a job, which I have done, and it's just, just apply. If you need a job, just apply to a lot of jobs. 
Just keep putting your resume out there. Keep writing those cover letters. Keep going to the interviews. And eventually something's going to stick. Eventually something's going to come through. It's the same with dating. It's just keep putting yourself out there. Keep messaging with people, meeting up with people, taking breaks as you need to, to tend to yourself, to pull back into yourself when you need, trust your rhythms. And you will continue to learn more about yourself along the way. You will learn more about how to honor yourself along the way. You will learn how, what it's like to be with people who honor you along the way. So wherever you are, if you're on this dating journey, especially if it's later in life, I know how vulnerable it is. And I just want to just acknowledge you and encourage you to keep going. And also to validate that there's nothing wrong with being single. And our culture is, especially for women, it's just so geared around relationship. And there can be such a stigma around being single, especially later in life. So just to really honor this season of life. And if you do want a partner, if you don't, that's fine. If you do, and if you keep showing up for this process, just trusting that that you will have that partner. It will happen for you. If it's not here now, it will when the time is right. So have courage on your journey, blessings on your journey, and you're always welcome to reach out and just let me know how this lands with you or how it's going. Um, you can email hello at sarahavonstover.com. You can DM me on Instagram at sarahavonstover. So keep going, and I look forward to connecting with you all again next month. Thank you for being here today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you could take a moment to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That is the best way to support me in continuing on with this podcast and also to support other women in finding this, other women who may find this beneficial for their own lives. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're not already signed up for my newsletter, Monthly Insights, which I've been sending out now for almost 20 years, I welcome you to join me and a community of like-hearted women from around the world there. You can subscribe at my website, sarahavonstover.com. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.